I've been having so many dreams. How many of you know that every time you come into a new season, dreams always happen? If you, it never, never ceases to amaze me that when we step into a new season, all of the dreams that begin happening, people start having all these dreams, and, and uh, no, your dreams mean something, okay? Pay attention to your dreams. Write down your dreams. They're really, really, really important. I've been having a number of dreams, and I'm debating if I should just jump in here. All right, I'll tease you at the beginning, and then we'll get to it at the end. How about that? I've had, I've had about four really, really important dreams. I'm not going to give you the details because it just takes too much time. But there's three gifts that the Lord showed me that he wants to give this morning. Um, and he showed me these. Honestly, it clicked with me right before I left this morning. It's the Gates' birthday. It's our three-year-old birthday. And then it just all began to click in my spirit like, oh, you're up to something. You are up to something. There's three gifts, though, he wants to give this morning. How many, you know, how many want some gifts from the Lord? Okay. Okay. And that could have been dangerous. You don't know what you're raising your hand to yet. And I haven't told you what they are yet. And a couple of them are fun. The third one can be scary. I, I've had uh, multiple dreams all about uh, different graces showing up in the building. And I had one recently, and... He showed me three things. The first thing is that we were in a room together with some of the leadership in the church, and there was somebody there that represented um, just tremendous revelation. I, I can tell you who it is. Uh, Harold Eberly was there. And Harold, to me, just represents just there's a revelation on this guy that's like when he speaks, it's like, whoa. Stuff he's speaking now that he spoke it back in the 80s, and the church still hasn't gotten it yet. So he just went and began ministering in foreign nations because he got tired on waiting on the church in America. I don't know how many of you know that or not. Um, we were in a room, and we were, we were, I noticed it was a leadership team, and he was speaking, and there was just such a tremendous just atmosphere of revelation in the room. And the first gift that God wants to release is a gift of revelation. That's a good one. The second gift, same dream, we were in the foyer, and my little girl Adeline was in the dream, and she was dancing around, and she fell down, and she hit her head really hard on the ground, and she was really hurting. Um, and And... You know, I went and I grabbed her and I prayed for her and, and nothing was happening. And then someone came in and laid hands on her and prayed something that I had never heard prayed before. It was a way to pray in an, the authority of Jesus over healings that I'd never seen before. And this person came in and they said, they put their hand on Adeline's head and said, I placed the foot of Jesus over the injury on your head now. And she was healed. And I woke up, I thought, whoa, like... I've never prayed that way before. Like, I've never, and you know, the Bible talks about that all things are under his feet. And I've never, you know, we've all prayed, you know, by the stripes and by the blood, but to take the authoritative foot of Jesus that the Bible talks about and to place it over healing. So I thought, that's good. I'm going to try that one. So the second gift he wants to release is a gift of healing. Another, I've had dreams. For every one of these gifts, I've had a dream of somebody that carries these gifts that have come and ministered at our church. And so for the gift of healing, I had a dream that Randy Clark came and ministered at our church. And it was just, I remember it was pouring down rain outside, and it was just, you could feel there was, God was going to heal. And you could sense, like, the church was almost had no idea what it was in for, like that. God's going to surprise you. And so there's a gift of revelation that he wants to give today, and there's a gift of healing that he wants to give today. 
And there's a third gift, though, that he wants to give that's going to be really important. And it's the gift of hunger. The gift of hunger. If, if I were to try to move in signs, wonders, and miracles and pray for the sick and see the sick healed outside of the gift that God's given me, how many know that wouldn't be a good thing to do? Because then I'm doing it on my own. How many know this is not a trick question? This is, that's, a, that's not good. The Lord showed me, he said, when you try to stir up hunger outside of the gift of hunger, that's where you step into striving. Because people ask me all the time, how do I be hungry and not strive? Because we have a big message on let's not strive after God in an unhealthy sense. You know, we're not desperate. We're not desperate children of God. Desperate children, a desperate child reflects on a father that's not good. Um, We're getting these things. We're getting these things. I know we've, we've, we've come through a progression, and you can watch God teaching the church. And, but God doesn't want a bunch of desperate children. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's a good dad. But he does want passionate, hungry children after, after the things of the kingdom. So I was praying about it. I said, Lord, what do you want to do? And, and he said, I want to give you three gifts. And if you'll take these three gifts... They will absolutely shift the whole future of the church. Hunger, healing, and revelation. So here's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, I, I am going to try to go kind of short because we're going to do some ministry time at the end. So I'm going to lay some like context for what I'm going to do this morning. I am not going to create anything that he's not doing today. Uh, I'm not going, we're not going to push anybody down and say God is on you. I don't like being pushed when I'm prayed for. Uh, you probably don't like it either. We're not going to make something happen that God's not doing. But he is going to move this morning. He's already moving this morning. And we're not going to resist him moving. I, I meet some people that they're like, I don't think they understand the simplicity of when the spirit moves. I, 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 people are like, I, I never really feel the spirit. And I remember one person said, um, when I'm getting prayed for, if I feel like there's anything in them that can still stand, I'm not going to fall down. I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's called like resisting. <laughs> that's one thing if someone's pushing you down and I'll push back. <laughs> Just being honest, just being honest. Like you're not, you're not taking me down, all right? You know, I'll kind of go back. I'll put one foot back. But when it's God, when it's God, <laughs> I told you we're just gonna talk this morning. <laughs> when it's God, though, I don't want to resist Him. And I often tell people that have a hard time with receiving from the Lord in times of prayer, don't resist Him. If you feel Him just coming on you, just, just, just literally, just lean into Him. Don't fight him. Don't force it. Lean into him. And so this morning, I feel, I feel a major thing for impartation. I, imagine it this way. I'm a mailman this morning. <laughs> I don't know what gifts he's given out. I don't know what's in the gifts. I just get to like say, hey, this one's got your name on it. And, and that way, there's no pressure on me. Because <laughs> I don't know what it is. 
But I do believe that when the spirit of hunger begins to get stirred up in us, the gift of hunger, it's so important. How many know that passion is important in the kingdom? I was reading this morning. I'm going to bounce around. I just wrote a few thoughts down on here. I was reading this in the Passion Translation. John 11, 11 says, For I tell you the truth, throughout history, there's never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer. Now, now, this was not written today. This was written a while ago. Yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom realm will become even greater than he. <laughs> From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power most of your translations will say that the violent taketh by force this one says passionate so verse 15 so listen and understand what I'm telling you someone will say forceful forceful people lay a hold of it how many understand that forceful is the opposite of passivity? There's this fine line that I'm, I'm, I'm praying into, like, Lord, help us know how to do this. How do we walk in the new covenant reality of that we've, we've, we're, we've got everything in Christ that Paul talks about, which is so powerful to understand. How do I walk in that reality but not become passive? Because I meet people that come in the presence of the Lord sometimes, and you know what I notice? I notice people that are the most passionate typically are the ones that he responds to. Now, passion looks different for everybody. You don't have to look like another person being passionate. But I've noticed something. The hungry ones is who he turns to. He talks about it. He says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be fed. I've got scriptures, so many scriptures this morning that I could throw at you. And he talks about something about that. It, it turns his attention. And so uh, there's this passivity, though, that can come into the body of Christ, that can come into a, a group of believers that just comes in. It's like in worship, I'm just going to sit here, and I'm just open. But see, I don't think that's what it's talking about when he's saying the passionate. Go for it. See, you just got quiet because I just put something on you. See, passivity comes in and says, well, I've just got everything. I love you, Jesus. It's a little, it's, it's a little loud this morning. Oh, they're doing that song again. I don't really like that song. It's like the spirit just left. Oh, there comes the one I like. It's back. <laughs> They're getting to the point they're not even singing songs anymore. They're just like all spirit-led. And we're going to get to the point where you can't even not like the song because it's not a real song. <laughs> they just... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be in a place where I come in passive with the Lord. You see, I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm not coming in here trying to like, you know, God, please affirm me. I'm going to die. I know who I am. But I also know there's these realities to the kingdom. I can't explain it. It's like we have it all and there's more. There's, there's layers in the kingdom that make no sense on an earthly level. Salvation, for example. He says you were saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. 
I can give you three scriptures on salvation. Was, are, will be. Makes no sense sometimes. Uh, to the earthly, when I eat, I get full. Unless <laughs> you're my 13-year-old son, and they're never full. <laughs> I heard another parent with a teenager. Um, <laughs> you eat on earth, and you get full. You don't eat, you get hungry. Simple earthly concept. <laughs> but see, in the kingdom, it's, it's this unique thing that when I eat, I get hungry. And when I don't eat, I feel full. You want to know people that typically feel full and don't need anything are people that aren't eating. I can point people out in a heartbeat in worship that aren't eating. I won't do it. I can look around the room. I can see it. I can see people who have that connection with the Lord, and they feed themselves, and they come in, and it's like life. Yes. And I can feel it when somebody's working it up. Why? Because when you don't feed yourself in the kingdom, you're not hungry. That's why you go to a service, you go to a conference, you come into something like this, and you eat, and you're like, you leave starving. Oh, that tasted good. I meet people all the time that, that, that come and, and visit, and whether they come through just a service and that's it, they come through, and they're like, I, I didn't even know you were here. Like, I, I, I'm tasted this morning. It was so good. I am so hungry. You see, I don't have to create hunger. I just have to create an atmosphere where encounters happen. And I just create an atmosphere that says, okay, here's the deal. We're going to come in this morning and, like, whatever you want to do, go for it. See, I learned this youth pastoring. I youth pastored for 15 years, and I learned pretty quick on I couldn't get them to do what I wanted. <laughs> oh, I tried. They just don't listen. And I tried to get him to do what I wanted, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and then I heard this little snippet that changed my life that um, Bill Johnson said. He said, what you preach is what you get. And I realized all I was preaching about was things about sin and things about this and this, and they were getting all of the things that they weren't instead of the things that they were. And what did I keep getting? All that they weren't. So I said, we're changing our approach. I lost youth leaders over it because they just wanted to come in and preach hellfire and brimstone and scare them to heaven. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. So I said, okay, here's the deal. Tiffany and I said, we're just going to create an atmosphere where they're going to encounter God. We're going to set the stage for an encounter. And then he can take care of the rest. I kind of just brought that over to pastoring. I have so many friends that are brilliant church planters, and there's, we, I, I love it all, but our heart is just to create a place where his presence can abide. And there's so many things logistically that we try to do. But we just want a place where his presence is. We want to create an atmosphere where we've got a people 
who, like Moses, when they see the burning bush, they don't just keep walking. You see, this morning, this room is full of burning bushes. I could feel it. I could see people. I looked around. People were praying for people. People were prophesying over people. It was like they could see the burning bushes. And you can feel it in the room. You can feel it in the room now. You can feel a holiness in the room right now. And we want to be a people that when there's the burning bush, we stop. A worship team that when they get to that point and there's the burning bush, they stop. They did it this morning. I felt it multiple times. They, felt, they found the burning bush, and it was like, we're going to focus on that. Because it was there that God spoke to Moses and says, Remember Moses, all the excuses. I'm a stutterer. I can't do this. I can't do this. And God's just like, I am. <laughs> Don't you love it in the midst of telling God everything you can't do? He just says, I am. I can't do that. I'm not that. Well, I am. I'm not bold. Well, I am. Whew. I got goosebumps, y'all. <laughs> I'm not a person that just does that. I am. You see, there's this thing that happens when you and him begin to come into that place where you become one. All of a sudden, all these I'm not that goes away because you realize who he is. And he is that. I, I'm, I, am, I'm, I don't feel free, but I am. I feel sick. I don't feel whole, but I am. But what if, what if we don't stop for the burning bush where the I am is? We can get you out the door. We can shoot you right out. We can get you. We can do the church thing, and great. But we want to stop for I am. There's an interesting scripture in, um, let's see, make sure I got it right before I jump into it. You still with me? Uh, I think it's Hebrews 6. Yeah. One of my favorite scriptures about Paul. Apostle Paul, so fun. 6 verse 1, he says, Hebrews 6 1, he says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, and laying on hands the resurrection of the dead. You know the basics. <laughs> Eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. I like the New King James in this verse because there's an important piece that often that this one doesn't talk about. It talks about, it says in verse 2, I believe, it talks about a doctrine of baptisms. Baptisms. What does that mean? There's more than one. Now, here's where it gets fun. There's, this is one of those theology debates that a lot of people debate on in different streams that I'm not even going to try to go with. But a lot of people will talk about uh, the, the baptism into Christ. And, and I think it's um, 1 Corinthians 12, 
verse 13, it talks about, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. A lot of people will take that and, and say it's, it's all done right there. The context of that is the salvation experience, though. You with me? You have, to, you have to know the bigger picture about what you're reading. So a lot of people say, well, there's just one baptism at the beginning, and I got it all. Well, if you gave your life to the Lord, you definitely got your whole salvation. There's no, there's no partial saved. You didn't halfway get it. You got that. But it talks about the doctrine of baptisms. So the thing we need to understand is that, and I'm preaching, that, I'm talking about this for a reason, because the Lord gave us a word recently that he's bringing us into a season of, there's, a, there's, a, there's an outpouring and a refreshing that he wants to do. That's going to lead to a reformation. But sometimes it takes just stopping and saying, what does that look like? And so he talks about a baptism into new life. How many know when you gave your life to the Lord, you were born again? You were baptized into him. You are a new creation. That's good news. That's great. There is another baptism it talks about, which is the water baptism. We set up a tank. We baptize people in water. There's a water baptism. But there's another baptism that's a baptism into the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it gets fun. Because this is something that I don't believe we just got it and we're done. I believe there is a continual, I do believe you're not going to lose, I'm not saying that you lost it or you got half of it, but I believe there is a process of continually saying, Jesus, baptize me into the Holy Spirit again. Lord, fresh baptism into the Holy Spirit again. We need that. We need that. And one of the ways that we can receive this baptism, there's many ways that happen with this, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about when you, when you get your prayer language. That is definitely a baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I'm just talking about a baptism of fire that burns off passivity, that burns it off. I'm telling you, when you are baptized in fire, you look at yourself an hour ago and say, man, I was dull. I'm serious. Like when fire hits, you look at yourself like an hour or two ago, and you're like, man, I was not on fire. How boring was that? You don't know it until you actually get someone lights a match. <laughs> and so there's many ways that a baptism in the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire happens. Sometimes God just, sometimes he just chooses somebody and swim. I've watched that happen. I've been in the middle of services where I watch somebody, and this is, some of these are going to happen here in a moment when we, start, when we start pressing in. I've watched people in the room where nobody says anything and just, just God just goes, Phew. you'll hear them. I'm, I, guys and girls. I've heard guys hit pitches that they never hit, and, except for when the fire of God hits them. And they're like, you know, they just keep going up. I've watched people get the Holy Spirit crunches. <laughs> Works out the core. <laughs> Maybe that's our problem. We need more of that. <laughs> How do you know when the church is moving? Everybody got a six-pack. <laughs> You're looking a little out of shape. More, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, let's get back on track. This is, that's me coming out. All right. All right, back there. Sometimes he just picks somebody. 
Sometimes he just, you know, it's just that moment he feels the hunger. And the Holy, and, and, and Jesus just shows up and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. There's also a transference that happens by laying on of hands. You can even get into a transference that you can read about in Acts that happened by cloth materials that got anointed. And they prayed over them, and they, I've seen it done many times that the anointing can rest in a cloth. People say, I don't know about that. <laughs> when, you're, uh, when you know somebody in the hospital that can't get here, you'll second think that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something that happens. We saw it in, let me give you an Old, old, an old Testament one first, and then I'll move into the New powerful scripture for leadership it's in numbers 11 verse 16 let's just stop here for a minute um, Moses Moses was getting really overwhelmed <laughs> how many know as a leader sometimes you get overwhelmed like Moses was like he literally would come sit with people all day and listen to their problems oh, oh that sounds terrible <laughs> like like, like all day. It said from sun up to sundown. Poom, 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 poom. Multiple days. <laughs> so the Lord had a different plan. The Lord's like, you can't keep that up. It's not sustainable. <laughs> and all the pastors in the room were like, amen. It's not sustainable. And he says this. He says, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. It will come down, I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. See, I want to stop right there. That's, there's an impartation that he's saying, what's on you, I'm going to put that on them interesting he could have just come down and said I'm just going to give them this he actually embraced the idea of imparting what was on Moses onto them this is important because this kind of tears apart a lot of the arguments on impartation some people don't believe in it so if I was going to fight over something that wouldn't be it <laughs> how can I not get more um Verse, verse um, 17, I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power and put it that is on you and put it on them and they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Interesting thing is that Numbers doesn't account for this. But in Deuteronomy, you still with me? Thanks, thanks for hanging in there. I'm, I know I'm teaching a little bit for a moment. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, it said, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. You see, see, see Numbers talks about the impartation. God says, I'll take the spirit off of you and put it on them. Doesn't account for it. But if you go over a couple books in Deuteronomy, it says that Moses laid his hands on him and they received. Now, people are like, well, that's Moses. 
he like saw the goodness of God. Well, you're like in a new covenant. <laughs> and like when you got saved, you immediately got all of the goodness of God. Moses got to go up on a mountain and see it pass by. You get to live in it. It abides with you. He abides with you. You're in a, that was an inferior covenant. You got this great thing called the new covenant. Some people will give all these different reasons. Well, you know, that's for apostles to do. That's for the pastors. That's for the leaders to do. Can I prove you wrong? I'm, I'm not going to, I didn't write it all down, but in, uh, let's see here. I believe it's Acts 9. I want to give you a neat scripture here. So we all remember when, um, yeah, somewhere in there, okay. We all remember when Saul had his encounter with the Lord on the, on the Damascus Road. Remember that? Got knocked off his donkey. Big thing, you know, he got blinded. Massive encounter. Here's the guy killing all the Christians. The Lord's like, you would be a perfect guy to lead the Christians. <laughs> I love when people come to me, they're like, they're not qualified. Really? Have they like went around murdering Christians yet? Because I mean, they're even qualified once they come to the Lord. And so when people are like, oh, they're not qualified. All right. All right. So, so here, here's, here's Saul. And God's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the guy that kills all of the Christians and make him be one of the leaders of all the Christians. You know the Lord's got a sense of humor. Like, when we get to heaven, I think God's going to be way funnier than we think he is. We're going to get up there and he's going to be like, you're hilarious, God. Like, all these years, I thought you were so serious. You're actually really funny. And so, here's Saul, and he's, you know, the whole thing, he's, he's, he's been blinded. And so, we see an interesting thing where he gets ministered over. I'm hoping I have it written down where the scripture is. But we see something really interesting were Ananias. So there's this guy, there's this guy named Ananias, and we know like nothing about him. He's not some well-known apostle. He's not like we we don't even know if he had an office. It doesn't appear that way. Ananias is just a believer. Who do you think God chooses to go talk to Paul? to lay hands on this guy and to send him out to be the guy that's going to write most of the New Testament. Who is going to do that? Well, it'd have to be like one of the big dogs, right? Ananias. I want, I want to break some of this mentality because I feel like I've preached the past couple of weeks. I preached on the five-fold ministry uh, three sermons ago and then I preached on a new wine skin. But then I want to talk to you, just, just, just bring this in for a landing on this piece here on the reality of that Ananias was used by God to pray for Paul, Saul to Paul. The scales fell off of his eyes. Let's see if I know where it is. I, I wrote down the chapter, not the, I, I got that much, but. Uh, <laughs> this is an interactive sermon. There we go. Thanks, guys. You Googled it. I know you did. All right. <laughs> okay, let's back it up a little bit, though. Let's, let's go back to verse, verse 12. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. 
Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. <laughs> He's like, all right now. Like, I've heard a lot about this guy. You know, any of you ever got a prophetic word and you're like, are you sure, God? Like, go do this. Are you positive? Okay. Ananias is like, okay, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in J Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I wouldn't say Ananias was walking in a huge amount of faith right here. <laughs> Ananias is like, okay, let's just get this straight. You're telling me to go in your name, pray for him who has been sent in their name to arrest everybody who comes in your name. Just making sure. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul. something about that what a what a brother saw Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength Ananias we would call him Joshmo who's Ananias we don't really know he's in that verse but you're going to lay hands on Saul and anoint him to be Paul who will change the course of history That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. He's looking for some Ananiases that are like, I'm not scared of Saul. I believe that that's so much more I could talk about, but I'm going to see where this goes. looking back and I was just reflecting and, and I was looking back at our pictures from when we launched the church three years ago and I was looking at them and I was praying and I was trying to like just how many of it's good to go back sometimes yeah. reflect, remember all that and I was like I was literally just like taking me, taking me back there and I was I was overwhelmed with great, great just a grateful heart but I was also overwhelmed with a <laughs> like it, you haven't seen anything yet. And I and I and I was praying this morning. Like I said, I, I I went to bed. I couldn't really sleep. God woke me up at three a.m. Like happy, which is a miracle. <laughs> I was happy. I was like giddy. Like 
on Sunday. And then I'm like, it's too early. Like, I'm not getting up this early. And so I just lay there in bed, and, and I just, I, I do something that I don't know if any of you do. I do this all the time. I set my alarm early because I like there's a certain place in my rest where if I have to wake up at 6.30, I'll set it for like 5.30, and it jolts me out of a deep sleep and puts me in this place where I connect with God really cool. It's like I'm awake, but I'm not awake enough to fight with myself. <laughs> How many know when you're really awake and you're, God's trying to speak to you and you're busy and you're doing things? I actually set my alarm early just to wake me up enough to like begin to have encounters with the Lord. So I just laid there and I just prayed and God said, you want some, you want some gifts today? And he, and he showed me the scripture and I, and I know this is out of context. But, you know, I get it. It's, it's, it's old covenant and all that. But there's a passage in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 that talks about, talks about, I think it's 2 says this for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him I, I saw this picture of the Lord this morning here's what I saw I saw him wanting to give more gifts but I saw him looking around to see who was using the gifts that he already gave him how many of you know when you want to give somebody a gift and you begin to realize like you never use any of the gifts I gave you it begins a little more like, should I give that gift to them? Is that a good steward of my gift if they're not using the gifts I've given them? And so I saw this picture of the Lord walking. It, this is the vision he gave me, this room. I saw him walking around the room, and I saw gifts under people's chairs. And I saw some of them ripped open, and they've been used. And I saw some of them, chairs were just, and I didn't see people. I just, I saw the people, but I didn't see specifics. And I saw some of them had a bunch of gifts that had never been open. And I was praying. I was like, Lord, what is it that turns your eyes? And he says, I love to give gifts to those who love my gifts. He's not coming out here and saying, well, you know, let's give it a try with this gift. Maybe you'll like this one better. I know you didn't like that one, so let's... let's... And let me say this at the end here. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to do ministry time really different this morning. We're going to let the Holy Spirit begin to move in the room. And when he does, you're going to feel things. You're going to feel a manifestation of the Spirit. When you do, I'm going to have you stand. And people are going to stand all over the room. You're going to feel things. And we're going to believe for more. Now, I'm doing this for a reason. And it doesn't cut you out if you're not feeling anything. One of the things I've noticed that we do in the Pentecostal realm is we're like, more, 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 more. God has to be doing something for more to happen. I can't bang you in the hat with my more bat and then you get it. Because then I've crossed over into striving and I'm trying to make something happen this morning. I told you in the very beginning we're not going to make anything happen. If one person encounters the Lord this morning, it's been a success. But he's walking around and he's looking for people that he wants to give gifts. It's not condemnation. If you're sitting there like, oh, I haven't used his gifts. Stop, stop. He's, he's, he's way better than that. 
He, remember, he's a good dad. But we're going to begin to feel his spirit, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And I'm going to begin to call out some things. I think there's going to be some words of knowledge. I think there's going to be, I'm confident there's going to be three things. There's going to be revelation, there's going to be healing, and there's going to be hunger that's given out this morning. We need the gift of hunger. We need the gift of hunger. The gift of hunger is so much more powerful. I hope I can say this. I probably was going to open up a can of worms, but the gift of hunger is so much more powerful than church hurt. I'm not saying that you don't need healing, and a lot of people have been church hurt, and I get that, but people that have a gift of hunger says, I still, it's like Peter, he's like, but where else would I go? You see, Peter had, everybody gives Peter a hard time, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. Everybody's like, Peter had a big mouth. Well, he was the one that after the thousands were fed, and then Jesus talks about his most controversial sermon ever. Okay, those of you that eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, hmm? And then at the end, Peter's like, listen, that's tough. I don't even get it, actually. But here's what I know. Where else would I go? He said this actually, he said, but your words are life. Yeah. Interesting that Jesus could say, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and they still felt life. Yeah. And so Peter, he was the guy that said, I'll, I'll step out there. Where else would I go? There are people I see it online all the time that are church hurt, and I hate it. I hate to see that, but hunger in you says, but I can't go anywhere else. I have to be with his body. I love his body. I love his body. I know she may be, she might have dirt on her dress and I will help clean it off. The, she may not be perfect yet, but I love his body. You see that the body of, last thought, the body of Christ is so important. Listen to this. Remember when, remember when um, Jacob had the encounter, Jacob's ladder? It's like, it's like Big. So that there was a ladder that was going from heaven to earth and the angels were ascending and descending, right? They're super cool. They weren't descending and ascending. Makes me sound like their resting places. They would go up and they would come back down and wait so that the angels would ascend and descend. On this ladder, what was this all about? This was a, here, this is like the first thing pointing to what was coming. Because then we see where Jesus becomes the initial fulfillment of what happened. He becomes, it says that the angels on the Son of God were ascending and descending. And here he is. He is the first initial fulfillment of something happening. That was Jesus. But see, then he said, hey, guess what, guys? Everything I got, you got. And then, check it out. The body of Christ is the one that the angelic atmosphere is ascending and descending. We, the body of Christ, why do you think the enemy is trying to tear down the body of Christ and trying to say, you don't need her. You don't need her. You just need God. There are things that only operate with the body. We can't get rid of it. It's a trap. It is a trap. We need the body. There are things that he said that it's only going to happen in the body. Can I tell you something? As much as it's great to have powerful time with the Lord, there are things that don't happen in personal time that happens in corporate time. It does not. 
I have ministered with people. When they step on the platform next to me, I feel their anointing. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. Like, I start doing things that I can't do. Why? Because I just tapped into the corporate anointing that's on them. People get up here that are like super prophetic. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I am like hearing stuff and seeing stuff. And this is amazing. Why? Because it was getting on me. People are like, well, God, I can do that at your house alone. If he did that, he would be bypassing the body that he died for. And he knows if he creates a way for you to go around the body, we all will choose it ultimately because somebody will hurt me. He hides things in community. You ever had somebody come up to you and say, I don't know why I'm going here, but he's got me going here, so I'm going to end on this. You ever had somebody come up to you in community and like, I just got this word for you. I don't know if it means anything. And they speak it, and you're like, oh, thank you. Why? Because you've been praying on your own week after week. And God said, I'm going to take that answer and stick it in community. Because that's where you'll find it. He won't bypass the body. He won't. All right. Holy Spirit, I have given what I got to give. And I've tried to speak what you wanted me to speak. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And I know you want to touch people's lives. I know you want to impart things. So right now I say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I want you to do this. I want you right now just to say, I receive the gifts you have for me. And I want you to just, as if you prophetically, just take them. I receive the gifts. Come on. I receive the gifts you have for me. Revelation, gifts of healing, gifts of hunger. Lord, give us the gift of hunger. Give us the gift of hunger, Father. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness are filled. We need it. Give us the gift of hunger. Let something start this morning that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren experience. It's not about anyone in this room. It's about you, Holy Spirit. You're going to begin doing things in people's lives right now. 